this is Gerd Leonhard and welcome to my podcast. The difference in the sort of uh, democratic countries like Switzerland, for example, where I live, uh, or the UK or the US, has been that we've uh, really had to bank on the trust of people, on how, how people trust their government. Like in Switzerland, you know, we trust the government to make the right decisions, so we voluntarily follow the rules. In Germany, people kind of follow the rules, but they don't entirely trust everything. So there's lots of people who don't follow the rules, right? And in America, people follow the rules of the uh, the personality, not not the government. Right? So if you're looking at what happened, for example, in China, it's quite clear that a more sort of uh, state system and where the state is in charge of everything has made the response easier because there are less issues to concern yourself with like privacy and data security and all those things, right? So the bottom line is I think that I don't think that totalitarian countries have fared better. Look at, for example, Iran, but that wasn't the case, right? Uh, I think that democracies and free countries like New Zealand, for example, fared really well because of the culture of how they already did things before Corona. For example, a strong emphasis on public health care, uh, the government listening to people, having more of a wise leadership. The same is true for Iceland and, of course, also for Switzerland. So basically, I think in a nutshell you can say that the COVID crisis has made the bad things worse and the good things better. Right? Has essentially amplified what was there before. Like here in Switzerland, we trust the government, so now we trust the government to do the right thing about Corona. You know, Milton Friedman's fam famous quote, right? Um, Things only change when there, when there is a crisis, real or perceived. And what people do in the crisis depends on the ideas that are lying around. Right? And I don't usually quote uh, Milton Friedman, given that he's the inventor of extreme capitalism <laughs> and hasn't really done good to many people. Uh, it's, it's quite clear that um, this crisis has triggered responses that are changing our world. And it would be kind of an insult to people who, who had a who are having a very difficult time in the corona crisis, to call that beneficial. Right? But there are beneficial side effects. Uh, for example, just to list a few of them, uh, in Europe, we have learned that we have to help the other countries, like Italy, southern countries, even though we don't really feel comfortable with how they're spending the money, but we have made a decision that we have to do it. Right? Solidarity is more important than efficiency. And that is a totally new thing. Right? And basic income, for example, now we're thinking, well, if the government is already paying for people to stay afloat, we're essentially paying a basic income in many countries, in many professions, in many sectors of the industry. And so the thinking about basic income has been advanced. So other good things that have been included is that we are all of a sudden appreciative of uh, other humans. So we're realizing how much it meant to us to, to hang around the water cooler or you know, to, to go out and connect with others. And we've also found that technology is a great solution and can really help us and can really get us into the future. But at the same time, what we really want is not so much about technology, it's about other people. So these things are all egged on. And now as we're going into the future, uh, I think we've learned that being prepared and trusting science and collaborating in science is the solution. Whether we're going to roll that over into climate change or AI or genetic engineering as a learning, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question. The other thing that goes with this is that, you know, the realization I think that most people have 
is that uh, humans are very hard, uh, very hard to get to consider things that don't already exist. Like, you know, we usually respond to things. So we responded to Hiroshima and we had the nuclear agreements. We responded to COVID to deal with that. And we only did it when it happened. And now we've learned that maybe we have to respond before things happen and plan and prepare. Right? Very important point. Yes, in a post-COVID world, we ha I think we have to be realistic and say that vaccination is going to make a very big difference, but it's not going to be the universal magic wand uh, for many reasons. We have to be realistic, I think, and say that these kind of pandemics and the things that are happening with viruses and other uh, medical things that are happening and biological things that are happening will be the part of our future. So I think we're going into a with-corona future. Uh, and in some places a sort of post-corona future, but the threat of this will continue and our behavior change, for example, how we assembly, how we protect ourselves and what kind of objection we have to uh, uh, vaccinations and so on, that is going to be an ongoing debate and this is not going to end this year. So as I like to keep saying about the post-corona world, we're not going back to normal. We have to give up on this idea that we're going to go back to 2019 and resume flying and resume spending money on all these things. Uh, there is no vaccine, for example, for the climate crisis. You know, we're moving from one crisis to the other and living part in a crisis is going to be part of our future. And so what we need to learn is resilience, collaboration, creativity, agility, and we need to work together to solve those problems on an ongoing basis. You know, we are living with the COVID crisis we're living with the climate change crisis, we're living with technology, and so we have to adapt and figure out how to exactly deal with that. Now, I'm not so worried about that becoming uh, a standard procedure that people would think that we don't need other people around us, because, you know, in the end, I think human nature is very much about doing the things that are not allowed right now, like hugging and spontaneous feelings, and uh, I think that's going to make a comeback when it's safe to do so. Um, I don't think that people will become more aloof or distant or, you know, machine-like just because we have this kind of safety rules in place right now. In fact, I think that most people who are now uh, engaging online and digitally, they want nothing more than to actually continue that process in real life. So we're looking at the future as, an hybrid, as a hybrid situation. We're going to work from home, we're going to work from office, we're probably going to have the benefit of both. Right? And, but if we ignore what people are all about, which is not data or information or algorithms or you know, data flow, um, then we end up with bad results. Right? As I said many times in my speeches before, uh, the biggest danger right now is not that machines will take over, but that we become too much like the machines. Uh, and I think that, that is something that we have to keep a good eye on. When we think about the impact of corona, of course, uh, there are huge cultural differences in different countries, depending on where you started with, right? For example, in Brazil, it's quite clear that there has been more inequality as a result of corona. And in the US, there has been social upheaval. Now, we probably would be looking at another four years of Trump if it hadn't been for corona. Uh, and so the, the results are all different everywhere. But there are some results that we see pretty much across the board. One is that people want to make sure that healthcare and uh, the social things that go with healthcare, that they are well planned and well thought of and well laid out. Right? So one of the key things that people want is to be prepared. Right? 
So that has shifted a lot. A lot of money has shifted into the healthcare sector. And other things that have been a result of Corona is that people are really uh, asking the public officials to be smarter and quicker and more responsive. So a lot of thinking about the traditional sort of populist strongman like in Italy or in, in Hungary or of course in Brazil uh, have been questioned because they have been so utterly ineffective. Right? So there, in a nutshell, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things about Corona that have changed the way that we look at things. Right? For example, we're working from home, we're missing other people, so all of a sudden we're saying, hey, maybe it would be more fun to go to the office. You know, we're actually uh, rethinking the idea that it all has to be digital. Right? So there's a, whole of, uh, a lot of things that have changed in our narrative and in our mindset. Yeah, there's a significant challenge in that the things that are sort of exceptional now, because there's an emergency, and the things that are considered to be emergency uh, uh, legislation and regulation, that they become the new normal. For example, tracking on an app, or constantly checking up on people, or constant rules about everything, and mingling of the state with the free market, and all of those things, there's a chance that some of that becomes sort of the new normal, like in Israel, you know, where the, uh, the government was using tracking systems that used to be used for warfare on their own citizens. Or Singapore, for that matter, where all of a sudden the rules that were kind of there for COVID have become rules to keep. And I think it's a real concern when you look at what happened in the last big crisis in America, you know, uh, September 11th, when the Patriot Act and the FISA courts and all of the things that were considered emergency response they became a way, a way of life, and they haven't changed. Right? America is still under emergency regulation. And I think this is a real job for government officials and, and of course, the public and civil society is to make sure that emergency regulations don't become the new normal just because it would be convenient to have them continue. Right? So there has to be an exception to the uh, difficult situation. For example, I think if we're going to have a new rule for climate change and carbon taxes, Maybe we do that until it's, it's done, and then we find another way of doing the same thing better. Right? This is an important uh, challenge, of course, as we look at government. Well, the thing about resets with people is always a result of something that happens to us. Or it's a, some, it's a result of an experience. Like, you know, I remember when I went to the first Burning Man, which was still in San Francisco on the beach, you know, I realized the power of music and the power of getting together and the power of what was happening in person and this kind of event shape, how important that was and it changed my life afterwards. And then when I wrote my book, Technology versus Humanity, I realized when the book came out and people were engaging with the topic, uh, how important this conversation has become. And I was a little bit precedent talking about it, but it was not there yet. But So you have realizations and then you make a change. And I always compare this to therapy. You know, you go to therapy not because you, you're dying to go to therapy, uh, because, because you must. You know, you're in a bad shape. You're in a jam. Something is about to, to die or to break. So you go there, and then at a certain point, you have a penny drop moment you know, to where you say, okay, I got it. If I do this, then this results. Right? You, you get it. And so. This is how we reset our lives and also our company's life, by having those penny drop moments. And this is, of course, part of my work, is to create those moments and to help people find those moments. There are always, I think, in everybody's life, sort of penny drop moments, realizations where you realize, yeah, 
that's true and everything is different. Right? This is always like when I was a musician, I had a penny drop moment when I had a lesson with a super famous jazz musician and after about 47 seconds, I realized, you know, I was an ant and he was a, a dinosaur. You know, I just couldn't get anywhere close. So you have those penny drop moments and that's when you decide that you take an action. And this is what we need to create. This is Gerd Leonhard, Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at gerdtube.com on YouTube.